0: back to another special episode of the epic experiment podcast i'm your host bruce it's episode 144 and i'm joined online once again by my co-host sneaky pete how are you tonight pete hey everybody
1: uh special episode next week i'm gonna be with bruce in person 145 please come check it out if you like what you're hearing if you like what you're hearing thank you um we are on the Lotus Council website, thelotuscouncil.com, and on some various Discord servers in the show notes. Take us away, Bruce.
0: Perfect. All right. Okay, first up, we're going to start with some Garbage or Great, everybody. Uh, so tonight, my Garbage or Great is this one. I like this card. I think this is pretty cool. So I'm a little biased, but okay. One in a green for an enchantment. It's called Invigorating Boon. And whenever a player cycles a card, you may put a plus one, plus count. Plus one, blah, blah, blah. Plus one, plus one counter on target creature. Pretty simple text, but I like this. I like this mechanic. I like this ability. Um, I'm a big fan. i wonder what you think. Like, am I am I overvaluing, over overvaluing this card and then thinking that it's better than it actually is, um, or is this card, you know, actually secretly garbage? And I, should, I, mean, I I'm just putting poopy cards in my deck.
1: <laughs> it reminds me of Lightning Rift. So, Lightning Rift is the red version where you cycle, mm-hmm. you can pay one and deal two damage to any target.
0: It's yes, but those, this is like, okay, just just, this, this is actually like, because you, you're interested, you put a good distinction there. So, Lightning Rift makes you pay mana to this. This doesn't make you cast, pay any additional mana. You just get the benefit of the plus one plus one counter, which is a what huge I, distinction.
1: What I want to say though is, is like, if you're able to make this go off, in any of these sorts of cards, where where it says cycle do this do this effect, like Drake Haven, right? Pay one, make a yeah. two, two, right? If you can go crazy with the cycling, and just rip it, then obviously this card is going to be the nuts for you, like synergy-wise. But yeah, like any card that is, is conditional, um, where it requires something else to occur for this to trigger, uh, it might not be. Like, for every single, single deck. I know, like, cycling itself, I love it. Uh, There's some really good cards out there people are not playing. And I'd love to talk about that with you. Like, underutilized mechanics will probably be a future show for us. Yeah. But, but, like, it's tricky because in some games, you might get three, four, seven triggers off of this. In other games, it might just be a dead card in your hand. And if, that, if that's yeah. the case, if you can find a more flexible card to replace this with, and keep this as, like, maybe a specific card you're going to use that will trigger every single time you play it. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's too conditional for me, personally.
0: That's fair. No, I, I, I think, my, I think, I think my, my, my appreciation for the card stems from the fact that I do think cycling is underappreciated
1: mm-hmm, uh, and definitely.
0: doesn't appear as frequently as I think cycling is a very powerful mechanic um, because what it does is it smooths out your draws, it'll stalk your graveyard it digs for your win cons and now you have a way to reward yourself for free um to you know put counters on whatever it is you have Mm -hmm. on the battlefield and so you know and with an investment of a mere one and a green like that for two mana you're getting this sort of effect i really think this card is pretty cool um and offers a lot of potential. So I'm excited for it. I mean, you're probably right. It is very conditional. Like you need to have a creature on the battlefield. You need to have cyclers in hand. And you need to be have have open mana that you can active, activate. But the fact that you can do this at instant speed as a way to to respond to, you know like let's say for instance like you have you cast that new Hobbit Wrath that kills all things that you, you could choose not to cycle in response to that, and like, okay, wipe away other things, leave my 2-2 on the board. Um, mm-hmm. You can, you know, there's other, you know, things that do 4 damage, just like, or they brothers end, or whatever, I like deal 3 damage to the board, you can, in response, pump and, you know, mm-hmm. put your team out of range of getting blown out. Like, you can do it in a variety of situations to get maximum value out of it, so I like I think the card is, 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 is okay, it's not great. It's but it's definitely got some appeal to it. I'm running it in a in a cycling deck, and I, you know, when I cycled I went through this the, the Scryfall random um feature and it generated invigorating boot, I'm like, yeah, like I like this. Like this is a card that I'm I was excited for. And you know, it comes in at really rather quite reasonably priced because it was reprinted in Dominaria remastered. And so you get it you get it cheap. Um, you know out there so i think i have an, an old an old border foil um which looks beautiful and you know for you know a mere 50 cents and it you know has it ever won me a game no i can honestly attest to you the number of times that has won me a game has been zero but um hmm. i'm intrigued by the potential and the and the and the and the, and the Trying to find a way to unlock what the cycling deck is able to do and see what the maximum power level on it, and I feel like invigorating boon is part of that part of that puzzle.
1: I guess the weird thing is, it's in green, and there's not a ton of cycling in green, and then like there's just better cards that put counters on things quickly, quicker, or put more counters on cards, um, like in a more synergistic sort of vacuum. Like, I don't know, I. I would love to see it broken, but I don't think there's enough support for the for this particular color um, to do it. Whether like Astral Slide is one of my favorite cards ever, like ever printed, right? It's yeah. A Astral, Slide and Astral Drift. It's a super yeah. card, right? It's a super interesting card. Um, the flicker effect, and then Astral Drift does something similar, and yeah. I love it, right? Or like even Drake Haven. It's whenever you discard a card, you can pay one and make a two-two flyer. That's just crazy. Yep. That's, yeah, that's just like absurd, right? But oh, it's in blue. Don't worry.
0: Right? Don't worry. <laughs> I I recently just rediscovered my love for Drake Haven because it goes <laughs> in that Rona in that new Rona list. And oh yeah, every for sure. <laughs> time you every time you loot with Rona, sorry folks, I'm kind of nerding out over that new Rona in Rona um, Apocalypse Herald of the Apocalypse or whatever. Like she's yep fantastic. She's so good. That deck slaps. And I'm I want to I'm looking forward to building her and having fun with because uh, you because it leans into you can lean into the discard you can lean into madness you can lean into yeah. the legendary tribe <laughs> tribal like well because because you're discarding you can ma- you can if you want to lean into madness you can play madness cards quite legitimately mm-hmm. and think oh my like I'm going to steal your things like um welcome to the fold which is a blue. Mm-hmm. Madness <laughs> card, which is like the the epitome of a bulk rare, is mm-hmm. looks like absolute gas in a Rona deck. You're like, oh, well, anyway, my. As, as
1: as you no no, I know I love I love your enthusiasm. Um, it's more so like an example of a card that is super flexible versus a card that is sort of stagnant. Um, and I think Invigorating Boon again, it's neat. It definitely did work back in Limited. Uh, I've seen players play it before. Uh, and not just you, Bruce, but more so in, in limited, um, with some of these old like MTGO things that they do now. But yeah, I mean, it's not a terrible card, right? And I think this next one as well is one of those weird situations where it's very interesting, you know.
0: Yeah, it, this was it, this was kind is. of funky. So, uh, what what what, do you, what did you find here?
1: Yeah, so this is an old card from Mercadian Masks, which is like. Older than oh. me? No, actually, I'm older than it. Thank goodness. Okay, so I'm not that <laughs> old yet. But um, Customs Depot, okay, it's an enchantment, it's in blue, it's one colorless and a blue. Whenever you cast a creature spell, you may pay one. If you do draw a card, then discard a card. So, it's a loot effect, and you don't even have to have your creature resolve. You just need the one colorless mana in Commander. That's super easy, especially when you get flooded out late game, Um, to consistently loot for what you need even early game if you're holding up mana as a blue counterspell player anyway um wow this, this is uh like this,
0: this is, a is a good actually effect. pretty underrated this, this is a good effect this is a really good effect so we've often had the conversation in magic whether or not cards that loot are worth their worth their weight and the fact that this provides you with card selection um it allows you to dig, it allows you to stock your graveyard, it allows you to do all the same thing that cycling does, and but it's you have to it triggers on casting creatures, which in commander you're going to do fairly regularly in many decks, because increasingly wizards has built the format to be a creature centric meta, um, yep. and so your most decks are running at a minimum twenty to twenty five creatures, some are ca- running thirty, thirty five, as many as forty really. If you're playing like a, a a human tribal deck or human or like guess like some sort of deck that leans into creatures heavily, um, you're playing a lot of these a lot of hu- creatures, which means you're going to be able to loot and dig for that piece you're looking for and generate a lot of selection. The one problem I can ad- I can identify with this because it only triggers off a creature spell. Creatures can only be cast at sorcery speed in most instances, and so it's going to make it hard for you like essentially you end up having to take all your actions on your main phases um which is um a disadvantage because you're not going to be able to uh to disguise um uh, too many instances where you have um a creature that can be played to you know salute or to dig at end step like sure you can play a Vidalkan Orrery or you know cards of the similar vein that allow you to place things at instant speed you could play creatures with flash and make the, lean this into a flash deck But most decks Aren't going to be able to engage Particularly on that axis Meaning that This becomes a, a play on your main phase um, And that can be a problem If you're looking to disguise Interaction of some sort Or some other, uh, some other Play that you were looking to make At the last second To try and surprise your opponents And maximize their effectiveness
1: yeah, I mean it's again it's it's not necessarily a terrible condition to meet, right? It's no. more so you'll have to design your deck in a way that you're going to be controlling anyway, so you have to make that decision. I have the most trouble playing blue because I'm terrible at being patient when I counter something. Uh, that's right. a fault that I know that I have because that's just the nature of how I how I act and how I Live my life, I guess. Not to get too deep, but like I'm a very impatient person sometimes, right? Um, I, you know, I, 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 I learned over time to, uh, you know, pull the jets a bit and 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 think before making an action. So, it's one of those cards I would love to break, right? It's one of those weird Uh-oh. twenty cent cards where it's like, there's a definitely a way to do it, um, out there. So, I don't know. We'll see. Um, if I ever put this in a deck, but. I, I think, I think we'll be okay, right? Like, I think yeah. uh, it it won't well, break the bank and it won't break anybody's deck or else. No, it certainly won't break the
0: at, at twenty cents. It won't break the bank for sure. Um, let's just um, have a look at some other high synergy cards that play along with this. So it's not played particularly in EDH. So hundred appears in one hundred sixty three decks out of in excess of a million, which is you know nothing but some plays along with some pretty high end cards but guess this they're mostly in greens you're playing beast whisperer you're playing Orin's fist of the angels like okay tell me that doesn't slap cuz that's like you're just casting creatures for value there and making tokens like you get to draw a and... card
1: discard a card and make a token that is like the dream in green
0: yeah you are living the dream right there um <laughs> You know, like, lifecrafters Bestiary plays along mm-hmm. with that really nicely, too. Mm-hmm. Zendikar Resurgence, so now you have lots of mana to do dumb things. So, like, you're going to do some pretty cool thing. Right. Um, it doesn't really lean into any one commander, but... Too, I, it's
1: too generalized, right? Like, it's one yeah. of those blue cards where if you're looking to cantrip off of your creatures, you don't care. You don't care like, as long as you're playing blue and green. What you how you do it,
0: it's funny because, you know? like, you know what, like, my brain went to, and like, like you heard it in my, like, my remarks. Like, I want to play Vidalcan Orry and Leyland Anticipation and Seaborn Muse with this sort of card, and I'm going to do broken things with that stuff. Even and like,
1: even blue black, I mean, how many times have we seen a zombie player play Gravecrawler from the graveyard in the game? Oh. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: yeah, 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 for sure.
1: Or, or even the blue-white player flashing in a card and getting the cantrip yeah. on the end of turn. You know, like there's a lot of that going on. You still got me um, going
0: back to Rooftop Storm there. Rooftop Storm. <laughs> this just does do all the. Zombies. I mean,
1: I remember um, <laughs> even early on when I was playing a lot of Bone Miser in the zombie deck because I was discarding so many cards from drawing so many cards, right? From yeah. playing Vanquisher's Banner and playing. You know, um, there was a few other zombie cards that cared about, you could tap them to draw a card or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, breaker was one of the more notable ones. Um, yeah. so yeah, it, it definitely can do some strange things, right? And like, looting is looting, right? Looting is always good. <laughs> looting mm-hmm. is always yeah. good, no matter what color you're in, no matter what you're playing. If you're able to look at your cards in some way. Um, scry is another mechanic that I think we should talk about on this, uh, you underutilize mechanics people don't use that don't realize that like there's a lot of synergy well, with that stuff now.
0: Well, um, I think we'll get to that because we'll, 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 I think at some point we'll have to explore the, the scry mechanic in yes. Lord, of the, Lord of the Rings because that I is important. I will
1: tutorial with the precon. I just leave it up a few days ago. So we Excellence. can definitely run that through. Um, speaking of tonight, right, we're going to go into our second segment now. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to talk about the seven deadly sins of all magic players. Yes. We're we're really going to be all encompassing with this call out. All right. We're, we're shouting people out tonight. Not sure if it's good or bad yet, but we're shouting people out. All right, Bruce. Tell us. what we're All right.
0: Well, as well, as if you may or not be familiar, there's like in the understanding of Judeo Christian understanding, there is, there are seven deadly sins that um, permeate society. And, are tempt us on a daily basis and as uh as commander players we confront this all the time when we play now when we play here we, we don't want to preach here folks we're not looking to tell you like thou shalt do no that's not who we're talking about this. but we are i do feel very strongly that here we're a podcast dedicated to trying to help players improve their magic game improve their commander play mm-hmm. and so we need to identify the pitfalls that often betray us and often lead us to situations where we don't play optimally. And so if we can tie them back to, you know, basic emotions or basic situations that we we get ourselves presented with, then maybe when they occur to us next time in the game, we can say, hold the phone. Let me think carefully about what I'm going to do in light of being aware that this is an example where I could be tempted to make a choice That may not necessarily serve my best interest. So.
1: So, like, again, everyone is human, right? And we should be treated with respect. Mm -hmm. Um, We're not trying to badmouth any particular playering, any particular style of play. We're just talking about these traps, these sort of emotional responses. Everyone has probably experienced either themselves or seen someone else do it. Um, And Mm -hmm. we just want to kind of discuss this because it is it is helpful to understand, like, maybe someone's having a bad day and they're kind of trying to unwind and something happened in the game and it really upset them, right? It's good yeah. to, like, have a good conversation after the game or before the game um, and be honest with the players that you're playing with, but not in a rude way or disrespectful way. So, Bruce, you want to take us away with the first, the first one? Sure.
0: first one, I think, is uh, pretty overarching and is something that many of us can be guilty of. Now, it's, it's the pride. Pride is something that many of us uh, take great pride in doing our job well. And in that instance, it's not a necessarily an inherent drawback. But I think in magic, pride can definitely be a barrier to us performing at our optimally because um, many magic players develop um, an attitude or, a, or develop a, um, a, a sense that... that because they've played or they're experienced and have been doing this for a long time, that when they sit down to play, that they're entitled to win, and that pridefulness in their experience and their you know greater card pool and their you know all the other trappings that come along with being an experienced player build up a sense of arrogance um, and result in oftentimes those experienced players being unwelcoming to new players. Um, you know, either yeah. because, you know, you don't feel that they are equal or that they're on the same level as you are or because they don't play at a power level that suits you or, you know, whatever you're, you're construing it as. And I, th- I think this ends up having multiple side effects, one of them being at the level of, you know, the gr- your group dynamic because somebody in your group is being kind of toxic and making it unwelcoming for other players, you're going to have people say, Well, I don't want to play with those guys because Bruce is a bit of a jerk. I don't want to, I, I don't, I'm not going to spend my two hours playing magic with him. I'm going to play over here with these other guys because they're they treat me better. Um, the other piece that happens, and you know, definitely is that the experienced players end up with blind spots in their game and they don't necessarily know how to overcome them. Because they feel like their experience should trump whatever other things happen. So um yeah. So that's you know one facet of how pride reacts. Now, Pete, have you seen experienced players act in sort of this way at a at a store or in a playgroup before?
1: Yeah, I mean I've seen it seen it with many playgroups I've been in, especially not to like to your generation down a little bit but i think the people who started like playing at the beginning have a different outlook and a different sort of way they look and view the game naturally because they've been there since the beginning right they've they played with a lot of different cards um i remember i used to get uh, frustrated with people because they didn't like combos right and i liked combos a lot more mm-hmm. than i do now now i find them kind of convoluted but um It's difficult, I think, with uh, the gameplay, right? Because you don't know what people are thinking, right? You could, Mm -hmm. like, blow up something on their side of the table and they might take it really personally. Or uh, you might barely do anything, right? You might attack them once and they get really frustrated. So I think it depends on... I guess you just have to have that conversation when you start, right? Like, what are these people thinking? Or how do they approach the game might help understand how to... I think it also comes down to just playing the game more, right? Uh, yes. In terms of being I... prideful, like playing with different kinds of people, playing with people from different backgrounds, playing with people for, with different levels of experience, playing pre-cons, playing high-powered lists, playing um, even CDH a little bit uh, or or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. That will help you understand like this is just a game, right? At the end of the day, we're supposed to just have fun with it and I think with the advent of uh, social media and YouTube and everything where everything is under a microscope, I think we inherently reflect that attitude that we want to be the best. And humans always want to be the best naturally, I think. So, yeah, there's a huge sort of unpacking of it,
0: right? There's a huge... Sort yeah, of, like, this, 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 this is a big one with lots, of, with lots of nuance and lots of facets that can... And like I said, some instances, pride isn't necessarily bad. Like, no. I take pride in my my career and i don't think that makes me a bad teacher right but right my my when my pride comes out when i play magic then i like definitely see how it can lead to pitfalls and me not doing well um what, think, what else what else about pride gets you when you hear pride like pete what do you what else do you think about
1: well i think like humility is the is like the you know the opposite sometimes um mm-hmm. But I've I thought about I usually self reflect a lot when I hear about this I'm like oh have I been doing this thing you know like because I definitely when I was uh, more like more or less newer to the game I was more prideful in the opposite direction like I was like well I played competitive sports my whole life like how, how can I not grasp this simple card game well enough to win games or when my buddy Alex used to beat me up every every time we played and I never mm-hmm. was able to win. It got to me, right? Because I was like, oh, this is just stupid. This game is dumb, you know? Um, And then I learned like, oh, like, Commander, you can do some cool things and still lose, but you got to do some cool things anyway, you know? Uh So I think taking it with a different perspective will help curb the pride as well. Like, oh, like, humbly, yeah, like, I might win one out of ten games, but, or three out of ten games or whatever, but at the end of the day, I get to play this great game, right? I get to have fun with people. And just yeah. experience new stuff that the game has to offer. Mm. So I think it's a matter of perspective. Yeah,
0: I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. You have to have a mindset, the mindset prepared to walk into it. I liken it very much to when I was racing, uh, running road races, you know, five kilometer, ten kilometer, half marathon mm-hmm. races, where I knew the chances of me winning the race were very low. And I was running my race for the experience for me. Well, that's sort of how I play Commander. I play the game for me, not necessarily to win. If I win, great. That's fantastic. Um, which, but I'm playing it for me, to, for my enjoyment. And I want to try these new cards or do something silly and, or, or try a new strategy. Like I want to try Invigorating Boon in a deck and see if I can make it work, make, see it pop off. And... When you put in, if that's your goal and that's your perspective, then you've erased the pride. Um, I'm not worried about you know my opponents beating me. I'm worried about just enjoying about my experience. Like, what am I am I enjoying my my experience right here, right now, um, with doing you know this, whatever this is,
1: right? And then I think the next one that we're going to discuss, the next vice. Is it goes along along the lines of that aspect, right? That uh, it's greed. So it's it's two faceted, right? Like non-game, it's like you want the fanciest version of a card. Um, you want like the foils and the treatments and um, and all of that stuff. But in terms of gameplay, this is just your personal sort of way that you approach the, I don't know the game pieces Um, and we at the Epic Experiment really believe that this version doesn't really fit if we're playing the game we should just play the game and play it and not care about the fanciness it is a good thing that people enjoy those different treatments and I like them I think they're pretty too but when it becomes this cons- consumption, it's a problem, right? If you're putting mortgages on oh. your house to, to spend thousands and thousands of dollars on boxes, I mean, maybe you should get some help. You know, it's a gambling addiction. <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah,
0: for sure. You know I mean? you're, like, you're right. A... I, you're right. I, as someone who has a mortgage on my house, I can't imagine taking a second mortgage to afford <laughs> cards.
1: <laughs> you know, but... I, that's a little dramatic, but you know what I mean? Like, even me, I remember um, I was in college and I had like ten bucks in my bank account, and I didn't spend money on magic that year. But I was like, "Wow, like I never want to feel like this again." But I knew people who were going to the LGS in the area and spending five hundred dollars a week using their uh, uh, scholarship money. And oh I'm my like, gosh! And I'm like, "What are you doing? Like, seriously, what are you doing?" So anyway, I don't want to get too much on that, but the second one is more important. It's it's the it's the attitude that you have approaching the game, right? I have, a, I have expensive cards, right? You, ha- you, you have expensive cards. I don't go out of my way and say, hey, I got this really cool expensive card and I'm going to tell you about it constantly when we play. I'm going to bring up how I bought seven copies of Dockside Extortionist because I have all the money and I have nothing to spend it on beyond paper magic. I don't want to play with that person. I'm sorry. I, I don't want to no. hear about it because it's tiring. I, I, I respect it. Like, you know, Good on you for being able to afford that, but I'm here to play the game, not talk about the cards I bought for my decks or bling blinged-out cards that I bought. I would rather just play. And the second yeah. one, and the, the last one is more so the actual game itself, right? Mm-hmm. Where, like, you are drawing ten cards in a turn, and you end up dying because you didn't properly threat assess or something. Or you didn't take out the player and that you were supposed to take out maybe there's a guy dangling at five life and you pass the turn or something um or yeah you know you're, you're just waiting around to uh sort of like maybe you have 300 tokens out and you still haven't swung at anybody that's my pet peeve is when people have tokens out and they have empty players to swing at and they just sit back with their huge uh-huh. board state it's like i get it man like you have 55 angels with flying but uh Let's just end this game so we can play another one. There's no uh, prize for making a thousand tokens in a, in a game without winning the game. So, yeah. uh, Our tip, yeah. Bruce. What are our What are our tips to sort of combat that? Again, we can't help you with your gambling addiction. Each country, Canada, the U.S. has their own hotlines for that. Um, if you have a problem, please, in all seriousness, um, you should you should uh, take a look at the hotline. You know, but anyway, Bruce, go ahead. <laughs>
0: Well, okay. So the first one is dealing with the expensive cards. Um, I think in today's day and age, this is easily rectified by just many players just deciding they're going to impose a, a self-impose a, a budget, a limit on your how much money you're you're prepared to spend for your deck or for the week or the month or whatever. Setting some sort of budget will curtail the amount of greed and t- and and that you need. To, and as long as you're pretty firm about sticking to it, you're going to find that. Um, you're gonna be able to combat the feeling that you need to have the fanciest blinged out version because you simply can't afford all the fancy blinged out versions. There are so many cards being printed, so many alternate pr- versions right now, you couldn't buy them all if you wanted to. So stop, all right? Um, to that same end, proxying, proxying is not a bad thing. Proxying, we've talked about it before on the show, you know, if you have that, you have a, a fetch land, but you don't want to go buy six copies of it, one for each deck. I see nothing wrong with going to proxy it to help keep your costs down. That's going to mitigate your your interest in or your requirement to have the most expensive versions of everything. Now that said, you could still have the most expensive versions if you want, uh, as long as you have the budget for it. I have a guy that I know; Guy's a heart surgeon by trade. He makes good, very, very good money. And I watched him. We went to a a GP in Toronto. He was playing a... He was playing the legacy angle of a Team Trios event. And he was playing Ad Nauseam Storm. Um,
1: That's a a moneymaker, as they say.
0: Yeah. Well, his (laughs) deck had all the most expensive versions of every card he could get. Including, and I kid you not, he went and bought a tropical island from a vendor in Beta... For his oh sideboard. In the weekend, <laughs> in the weekend, I, I think we watched him drop ten thousand dollars. Oh my! Because he goodness. bought two, two beta underground seas and a beta vulca- and a beta tropical island <clears throat> for um, tendrils. Can for his tendrils like, storm deck?
1: Can I like tend his plants or maybe you know do landscaping <laughs> for him or something? Maybe do something nice for him. Maybe so yeah, I could like maybe yeah. shovel so, snow in the winter. You know. Something.
0: So I think like, now part of the appeal of it, of it was for him is that this is a deck that he's going to keep forever, and he's you know it's 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 like a prized possession. So you know it's not it's something that's going to brings him joy. Uh, but the rest of us gawked. We're like, good grief, my friend! You dropped ten thousand dollars on three pieces of cardboard. We can't even. We can't even. Like I was buying myriad landscapes for a dollar a card out of a bulk bin. <laughs> like, next to them. I'm like, I'm like, okay. Um, As for the expensive cards you picked up, yeah, like, okay, folks, if you picked up fancy cards, you let's say you, you bought a whole bunch of Mox Ambers when they were $7 a card. No one needs to know that or is particularly interested in that. And, you know, every once in a while, like, it's, you know, it's not a bad, it's not horrific if you drop, like, oh, I, I, I remember when Mox Amber was a ten dollar card. That's like that's reasonable, right folks? But like I got
1: another one for you, too. Go Um, for it. There's a guy, really nice guy, like wonderful to play with, really nice. Um, in one of the LGSs, and he basically like sometimes I'll mention a card like, Oh, like I really do need the copy of this card. I don't own it. And he's like, Oh, I have seven of them. I probably need three more for these decks. And I'm like, What? Like in my head, I'm like, I'm like, what? Like like um, one of the LGS is a crazy sale every year. It's like forty percent off everything. Yep. And he'll he'll say stuff like, "Oh, I need like a Dockside, I need like necropones. I need like all these staples, right? I have ten of them, but you know I need two more to finish the decks." And I'm like, "All right, man, cool, but you got to save the sum for the rest of us because like, I just need one copy, right? And that's it. Yeah, I'm set. Yeah. And it takes yeah. me like a year to save the money, but." Um, it's just one of those things where it's like I think the greed spills over, right? It spills over into everything. Um, And that's about it. You know, it comes down to it.
0: There was a guy I played with who couldn't stop talking about his Chains of Mephistopheles that he had in his deck. And I'm like, dude, congrats on having a card that is borderline unplayable. I'm proud of you. (laughs) But it was $700. Like, good on you, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, After the last one, playing with your food. Um, which is what I describe it as. Um, this is yep. where you get you decide that you're going to pull a punch and not go and finish off your opponents. Okay, folks. No one likes charity. Like if you're okay. dead to if if you're dead to rights, like just like just this scoop. Like, like if you got your if your opponents like got an overwhelming like board state, you have no way to interact with it, and you know he's coming for you. What like? But don't like, if he's not going to do it, just scoop in response. Like just say like, look, you're going to win. Why aren't you attacking here? Like I tell my sons when I'm playing with them, sure. they, could, they could sit there and not attack. I may have no blockers, and they may only have a one one. like attack. They're like but 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 dad, I don't want you Like no, you do it because if you're playing if your real game, if you're playing a real game with somebody, you're playing to win. So. Attack me with your Drudge Skeletons. And I, I, I'm not going to cry. I, I'm, a, I'm not going to have my feelings hurt. I understand exactly what's happening. So use if you've already leave, put yourself in a position to win the game, don't wait for the Creator Hoof or the Finale Devastation to close it out. Just do it. Because right. so, sometimes all you need is an Anthem, like a plus one, plus one on all your things, and that's enough. Yep. So don't
1: if, <laughs> i do it from experience person you've seen me do it
0: <laughs> yeah so don't so don't sit there and fool around with your food kill your food and get on with life <laughs> you mean so eat your food and
1: okay anyway um yeah <laughs> the next one goes and then, Fro- and then Fro- eat your
0: food the Frodo attempts the the ring sorry too much Lord of the Rings recently. So, yes, eat your food oh, tempted tempt by the me, ring.
1: Frodo. Don't tempt me, Frodo. Okay, anyway. Yeah, there um, we go. <laughs> um, if you know the line from that movie and which movie it is, uh, email me. I'll give you five bucks.
0: Okay, so... Oh, nice. There we go. Uh, there we <laughs> go. Open oh, oh. challenge.
1: Okay. <laughs> um, all right. Next one. So, Perfectly in that, line with what you just said.
0: Let's absolutely. Okay. Well, this one is one that players get guilty of regularly. I've been guilty of it, and it's wrath. So it's essentially getting angry... And making decisions while you're angry is never a good choice. So this is where you retaliate. Um, Let's say somebody attacks you early in the game with a 2-2 bear. And you declare, like, this is it. I am going to eradicate you because you you attacked me with a bear. Even though the logical part of your brain should be saying, you attacked me with a bear. I'm at 38 life. I'm Mm -hmm. probably okay for now. I don't need to retaliate in kind. Maybe I need to remove the bear. Maybe I need to you know, put a blocker down, but I don't need to decide to throw away all caution and make poor choices now. I have done this before. I have done this before where I have targeted a player because of a previous game he beat me soundly and I decided I was going to make, make a point of bludgeoning him to death within, in, this, in the next game. Yeah. And what it resulted in was me making poor game decisions. Where and eventually it cost me the game because I overcommitted to attacking when I should have been holding back a blocker or two, and I should have had interaction up instead of using kill spells to take out blockers so I could get to them. I blundered into a situation where I just got wrecked. Um,
1: Rightfully so. To be honest with
0: you, you know. Yeah, uh, like absolutely. <laughs> so like in that sort of like obvious. Emotional rage—you are ending up making bad choices. And we we know in real life when we're angry, we shouldn't go do dumb stuff. Like don't climb behind the wheel of the car when you're angry. You're more you're more prone to speeding and having an accident. We know this. You know when you're angry, don't go and have a conversation with your boss because you're probably going to say something you regret because you're angry. We know this. But in commander or in, in particular we forget about this so frequently and we allow our wrath to spill over into our game and it harms and it ends up costing us valuable opportunities to win the game because we're so pre- so focused singularly focused on extracting revenge or retaliating that we don't play the game with a with the logic portion of our brain to give us the best chance to win
1: yeah. I've seen this uh, many times at the LGSs I've been to. Um, There's a few bad cases where people will literally pack up their stuff and leave, which doesn't look good in any case. It's embarrassing embarrassing for me when I'm sitting across from you and you're really upset or apparently because I blew up your artifact or something or I hit you for 20 damage in a turn. If you get angry playing a card game, then maybe you shouldn't play the game or take it so seriously, especially in a casual format. Um, well, I understand well, maybe- if you're playing for money or packs or something, but like this, this is like, I think that the tip here is um, be like practice, like like practice just thinking through the logic of what the other person did, right? If you can think through like, hey, like this person doesn't, like they're doing this for a particular reason. What is that reason before letting your emotional self take over, it's very difficult. It's taking me years to Uh do this. But like, being discernful about your emotions, like checking in, like, okay, this person hit me for 25 damage and I have four lands out. Everybody else has eight. Why'd they do this to me? Oh, because I had no blockers. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh And, and, you know, they're just playing the game. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so like, I don't know. This is a tricky one, right? Because there are times when you probably are okay with getting upset. But most times... I would say it's it's just a bad look.
0: Uh-huh. The other path or the other wrinkle to Wrath that I think people often forget about is the fact that um, people have a bias towards certain strategies and and or certain colors or certain commanders, and when they see the commander that either that's either they're really hot on they really like it they're like oh yeah that's a cool card I like that. They over they overvalue that as a threat. Like so let's say, let's say you're an Edgar Markov player, and you see someone else playing Edgar Markov, you're like, oh yeah, that guy's got to have all the gas, right? You haven't seen what he's doing, so like maybe his right. hand is slow. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he hasn't built it. Well, it's probably vampires. Who are we kidding? But maybe he's done something different with it, right? Like you don't know. You just, you're, you're basing your decision on a bias that you happen to have because you are excited for your edgar Markov deck that you have sitting in your quiver over there on the table, all right? The other one is where you, you immediately target somebody because they're playing a commander and you're like, that thing is a problem, it needs to die. So you immediately jump on it and, you know, are all over that player whether it's justly deserved or not, like, I'm going to be honest, one of the ones I've seen most frequently are things like Omnath. Well, there's no good way to build Omnath as far as I'm concerned, but like, you build Omnath, up, there's going to be somebody out there who's like, well, my Omnath deck is different. Well, okay. But you know what? You play Omnath, most of the people jump right all over you because of a bias created by this sort of feeling of wrath. Now, yeah. I'm not saying that their feelings are unwarranted. Because we've all seen that Omnath deck pop off enough times and kill us all repeatedly right. that you have good reason to be biased towards it. But there is a time, like, say, if you're sitting down with somebody who's playing, let's, uh, let's pick a different commander that's not so, you know, obviously overpowered. Let's say you're taking a Muldrotha.
1: Right.
0: And, like, the, you're play, you're, they're playing a Muldrotha deck, but they're playing Muldrotha Enchantments. I mean, I've seen it. It could be a thing. And, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, you, you assume Muldrotha is going to be this nasty, disgusting recursion engine. And really, all he wants to do is just play enchantments from, like, cycle through enchantments through his yard and play, play through his graveyard. I'm not saying it's not a powerful strategy, but that's a lot different than the, than the Muldrotha deck that's like a turbo dredge deck looking to find disgusting things and reanimate them and, and pull them back out of the yard in a heartbeat, right? Like, these are two different decks. So, just because you've seen to be the turbo dredge deck doesn't mean that this other guy who's playing Sultai enchantments is, you know, doing anything wrong. And that your, your immediate inclination towards succumbing to wrath may not be what's going to help your chance to win because if you're targeting the Moldroth player, that Winota player across the table is, is putting tokens on the battlefield that are goblins and you know what's coming next. Right. So, just saying. So,
1: yeah, and then that, that that ties into the next one, right? Uh, sloth, where you're like, you're letting other things impact you, um, and you're unfocused. So, I mean, it's weird that wrath could influence that, but it, it can if you're just hyper-focused on one particular person at the table and not, you know, really thinking about the other people. But in our case, um, this could be just generally like, when you expect other players to kill a problematic player uh, that has a really good deck that's performing well at that particular time, um, instead of you know being able to remove them yourself. I, I hate when I'm in a situation, Bruce, where I cannot do anything to anyone at the table. Right, I have no interaction in my oh. hand. I have no board presence. I have two cards in my hand or zero cards in my hand or something. So, I feel helpless, right? I don't want to feel helpless. Uh-huh. And sloth is not the same thing. It's more so you you kind of make a choice to decide that you're not going to take matters into your own hands with this problem at the table. Yeah. Um, in terms of other sorts of laziness, I I mean this is not that common because most people do keep up with like cards and local things going on with their LGS and you know their play groups and stuff, but being lazy about that too can also hurt you, right? If yes. you're being uh tracked far behind and say you are been playing the same three decks, uh, and that's not your fault, but say you're playing the, the same three decks and you get butt hurt because other people have up their power level or bought uh, you know, 50 cent cards that make their deck a little stronger or whatever. If you're gonna invest in this game, it's about and it's about investing time too, okay? What what cards work in your deck that are synergistic? What cards are not good? Um, I'm missing land drops every game. Why is my deck doing this every time? Uh, th- these questions are deck building related, but we don't think about it because we're so used to like trying to do the thing every time that we, we miss these minutia, these little details that, that could impact us. Um, and I love what you said here earlier, Bruce, when we were talking about the show notes, um, where you were saying you don't want to be disappointed. And fortune favors the bold, not the lazy. You should put that on like a, I don't know, like a Cheeto, <laughs> like a Cheetos ad or something, Doritos ad or something. Um, that would be a nice catchphrase. But if you want to secure the win in general, you gotta take it by the reins sometimes and be proactive in the game. Yeah. And also yeah. with decks, if you want your deck to run pr- like well, you should really play test it. You should really play test it out either online or with your paper cards, um, and that my friends would probably be the tip i have bruce what do you got if there's anything well to say i mean uh,
0: so i think with sloth i mean the, the the what it comes down to to me is a is a free, free rider problem so we're increasingly we're seeing people remove mass removal from their decks that's a it's a it's a recurring theme right like command zone has talked about it every commander podcast is talking about it. we've mentioned it here um and we're always banking that someone else is gonna have the wrath. Right? But when the when all four of you don't have the wrath Yes You're like you're you're like now you've been caught by the, your own sloth. So I know that prevailing the prevailing custom is that we only play two two pieces of mass removal. Okay, <laughs> but, but folks, you're getting smoked by somebody who's like you need yeah. to address this. Don't be lazy, be proactive put the extra wrath and then put the two extra wraths in your deck and and maybe a way to recur it if you get you think get dumpstered like have like this is for me where like my the way i build a deck is like i'm looking to build the redundancy so this doesn't happen so i have a way to be proactive and not succumb to sloth and so when i build my decks there's nothing lazy about my deck my deck is going to have plenty of removal and plenty of ways to interact and bombs and stuff. So I can try and take the game to you. All right. And because I do not like the notion of sitting there and allowing my opponents to essentially lead me by the nose to a win. And then I swoop out from underneath them and take it at the last minute. Like that to me is not how I want to play the game. Um, Does it happen sometimes if if in a well-balanced commander game? Sure. That will happen, but not because you're being lazy. Right, there'll be an opportunity. Like if you're everyone's playing, you know, at you know, max out, and then there's going to be a pres- opportunity presented to you near the later stages of the game. You need to seize that opportunity. Like so, like sloth is something that I I have a hard time grasping as a concept because I refuse to allow myself to accept this. Now, maybe that's because I'm older, and you know, when I was playing sports and everything else. I had to I, I I had to go be I had to take risks. I had to be whatever. But anyway. My advice to you, yes, fortune favors the bold, not the lazy. That's the statement. So don't be lazy. Get in there, roll up your sleeves, get a little dirty. It's okay. <laughs> no one's gonna cry.
1: Yeah. Um I've seen this with certain pods where games have taken two to three hours because nobody does anything at all. Um, Like, I was able to come back in a game, which was really crazy. I literally had five lands. I was able to draw into land tax in a deck that doesn't have a ton of draw um, because it's an Enchantress deck. And, like, it's a white-black one, so it's tricky. But if I get the draw, I can win the game pretty consistently. Uh But... um. I was able to come back from 20 life and just smoke everybody. Mm. And it was because they just sat back and did nothing, and didn't realize yep. that I was drawing cards every turn with Necropotence. So, like, I don't know, it was it was like, I took, like, eight risks in that game, right? I almost half my life total. I was paying life in Necropotence every turn, and then it got blown up, so I had to just top deck for a while. But it was mm-hmm. like, it's their fault for not killing me quickly, because they could have. Yep. I had one so, creature out. Most of the game, I had no creatures on the board, because I usually just play my commander and put a bunch of R's on it, and if it gets removed, it's kind of difficult to come back sometimes. But I guess that's my simple game example. The next yeah. one, though, is we're doing non-game actions, right, for the last few?
0: Yeah, Yeah. The last, these last three are things that may not necessarily impact your gameplay, but they impact how you prepare to play the game. So yeah. the first one we have is Envy, which is, this one's tricky, right? Because there's, I'm gonna start. <laughs> oh, I think I got it. I think I got, it. I got this one because you, t- you, t- you took Sloth, right? Yeah. yeah. So I'll, I'll go to this. So with Envy, I think what's interesting here is that it's challenging to, to identify that you're suffering from Envy um, because... Many of us get excited when we see a brand new commander, or we see somebody pilot something new and cool, and we go, "Wow, that's cool. I want to do that too." And don't get me wrong. there's a place in this game for imitation. Imitation is a form of flattery, and you see, you see something cool, you're like, "That's exciting. I like that. I want to do it too. I want to emulate that. But too often, we see people take someone's entire list and use it. Um, as their basis for their deck, right? Like Pete goes, Hey Bruce, I really like that deck you played last night. Can you ship me the list? And I say, sure. I ship Pete the list and Pete immediately goes and like loads up his card on TCG player and gets the, gets the hundred cards that I was playing and puts, assembles his own deck, just like me. And Mm -hmm. what happens in that is that there's going to be cards that I put in there that I intended them for a particular purpose. Right, and Pete's going to look at my deck and go, what is that doing in the list? Why do I, why is that card there? He doesn't, because he's not in my head, right? He doesn't know why all the card selections were made. Maybe I put it in there because I'm not I, I'm choosing not to succumb to the sloth, or maybe I'm putting it in there because I know that I'm prone to wrath, and so consequently I'm trying to make sure that I don't overcommit to retaliating by putting this Seemingly, do nothing dirtily card in my deck. Whatever. There's tons of reasons, but they don't understand. Pete doesn't understand in my own head why this card is there. So he's probably going to not use it to its fullest potential because he doesn't get why it's there. And what that does, every time you put a dead card slot in your deck, you're reducing your effectiveness because at some point you're going to top deck this card and you're going to go, what did I draw? Dude, why is this piece of garbage in my deck? Every one of us has said that. Everyone and sometimes it's because you watch somebody else play it and you thought that was cool, but your scenario is different and you go, "Wait a second, what is this? Why am I? Why is this happening to me right now?" So it's very different in the sense of, um, you know, like it's very different from the game actions here. Like this is in your construction. This is how this is in your framework of your deck, as opposed to taking particular game actions on the board state. But envy is very much detriment because you're going to end up putting cards that you don't know why you put them in there, um, and it's the same problem I have with EDH Rec. You see, people put cards in their decks they don't really understand why they're there, but they appeared on the EDH deck list page, and so they go and stick it in their deck. And they go, "Wait a second, why did I have that card in my deck?" Well, the card got listed because people play it in a different meta, whether their pod is a you know structured a certain way. They they're, they're playing a different meta so your envy your envy is a problem it's leading you to playing suboptimal cards for you not necessarily for suboptimal cards generally
1: yeah i am i also have uh an example when it comes to people playing like in game so surprisingly enough you actually reminded me of this idea uh while you were speaking bruce so it's not net decking someone's deck, it's net decking against someone's deck when you're playing with them. So, I've seen this with uh, people I played with for a while, or uh, people, like, I, I played a guy once, I played my Jax's mono-red list, he played Una, okay? Una is literally the antithesis of a monocolored deck, right? Yeah. It's literally, and he did it on purpose because I mentioned earlier that I had invented a few infinite combos for the deck. Just because I thought it was cool and I wanted to share it because um, not many people have seen this commander be on like, some CDH list, but again, it's very niche, weird sort of thing. Um, and he did this on purpose, I think. And this is me probably being prideful, but I think because I had said something. And he wanted to humble me in some way, right? And I was frustrated because of that. I also think Envy helps with local playgroups, right? People that play with each other all the time Um, When people play cool decks or whatever, and they say, oh, you can't play this deck anymore because it's too broken, or you can't play this commander anymore because it's too much, or whatever. I think that they should have a more adequate conversation, because if you're going to just start putting a ban hammer on everything that's played, when you get to a situation where you're not playing with your group of friends you play with normally... Mm-hmm. And, you're, and you're in that situation like, "I hate discard effects, for example, is a very common one I've seen people complain about. and someone plays discard effect like a windfall, and you get yeah. upset because your hand is used to be gas and now it's just five lands and two dead cards. That's on you for getting upset because you're annoyed and envious of someone who is playing a strategy that they're good at that you can't tolerate, because mm-hmm. it impacts you as a person or impacts how you play the game or whatever. I think. This is one to let go. This, this, this is kind of intertwines with pride, but it's not the proactive sort of pride. It's more so the aftermath sort of reflection on, imp- on impact, right. you know, on, yeah. on things that have occurred in the past in games. Um, that's why we're putting it in this non-game action sort of section. Mm-hmm. Um, you could be envious of a player while you're playing the game, right? They're playing a combo deck, or they're playing a deck with a ton of very fancy cool cards in it, and you're or, playing more pre-con.
0: Or, you know? oh, boy, oh boy, I wish I had as many lands as you,
1: yeah, sure. <laughs> Even the simple oh, I wish I had to not miss my land drops in this game. and
0: I wish it was a little bit taller. <laughs> I wish it was a ball. sorry, the song right.
1: <laughs> The next one is is similar to envy, um in terms of its reflective nature, and then it's all its consumption. So lust is a very famous word people use, you know, sometimes inappropriately. But lust is more so in our sense, this lust for power, right? Uh, in in mm-hmm. commander, we're not we're not going sociological here. We're not going psychological. <laughs> we're, we're going straight to the cards. All right, friends. We're
0: not playing that rules of power game where like all those yeah. the crazy rules that people live by. Too.
1: <laughs> this is this is simply deck building. All right, the best deck. I want to be the best in my pod. You know, I want to just beat everybody, and I I want to just. Stomp my friends in the dirt. I remember I used to do this with my good friend um, when I used to start when I started playing Commander. I purposefully was like, I just I need to I need to stop losing. Like I can't stand this anymore. So I built a deck where I blow up all his lands. <laughs> I played. <laughs> I played You're a terrible person. I played Avalanche Riders with Panharmonicon. I played a bunch of other two two body creatures with Alesha, where I'd animate them, ETB, blow up your land, cry about it later. <laughs> that whole thing. <laughs> um, and then the other thing about lust that can be all-consuming is wanting to win every single game and doing every, anything in your power to get that win at any cost it can really self-implode a, a healthy play group right yeah. if you're focused on winning every single game you play, you're going to be disappointed because 9 times out of 10 you're probably going to lose like, mm-hmm. this is a game of chance this is a game of variance I don't know about you Bruce, but have you played any probability games before? Like I, I, I grew up playing back game and it's a cultural thing for me. Um I'm I'm very good at the game, but I I, I know that there are times where I just lose. Yeah, it's luck based, right? And that lust to um, win that so I, to win so I, is, is tricky.
0: So I play Euchre. So I play Euchre, which is a card. game. I know game. Euchre.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the with the And so,
0: the, sure. and so the, the the thing with Euchre, if anyone's familiar with it, it's all probability based. There's only so many card combinations that are out there, and uh, some guys like when you have that opportunity to whether make suit. There are guys that refuse to let other people make suit because they want to win all the time, and they're like, "If I figure the best chance is if I'm the one making suit, okay." And it's it's a viable strategy, but if you're doing it every single time, you're going to get euchred more often than not because. You can't have all everything all the time. If so... we translate
1: that if we translate that to Commander, right? Mm. There are decks that are super like they're super sort of greedy with their plays. And Lust kind of goes through with that too. Like some C D H decks, right? They are C E D H. And if you play it in a casual pod, people will be upset at you, right? You're playing Yeah. Stats. You're playing Winter Orb effects. You're playing Stasis. Orb, you're playing, um, you know, possibility storm, rule of law, all of the good (laughs) stuff, right? You're playing the things that make people sad, okay? Yeah, but if you do that because you just want to win, people will not invite you back. It's happened to me personally, and I don't even play CDH, I just play decks at a specific level of power where some people are okay with it and can match it. Other people get very butthurt. And it's tough for me because I play a particular way, which is drawing cards. having Always having gas in my hand if I can help it. doesn't happen perfectly every time, but I always have enough draw on the deck to rip through my cards, and I never miss my land drops for the most part because I invested in lands first before I invested in any other expensive cards. So I have all the fixing I ever need in a deck, right? Yep. Some people just don't do that, right? They just, they just no. play janky decks. They play, uh, you know, like... Uh, elemental they, 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 or they, um, they, um, fractal they, tribal sorry fractal tribal or
0: something right or, or what they'll do is they'll put their deck full of top lands they wonder why you're beating them i'm like i could tell you why i'm beating you you're time warping yourself every time <laughs> so and i'm
1: you know basically in this case our tip is maybe tone it down a bit like not to say like don't play at a level you feel comfortable at because that's not it don't play down and sandbag people but what i'm trying to say is like it's all about winning. This game is about having fun. This format is about having fun. If you're looking for that lust sort of fix, <laughs> the fix is in. Um, play, play draft. You know, play, play, play limited, play vintage, play legacy, but draft. Drafting will curb that, I think, because of the luck of it, and the fact that winning in that case is up to how good you are at deck building. Mm-hmm. Um, so, True enough. I think if you want to diversify your portfolio, playing Magic, and then get back to me in about two months.
0: (laughs) Okay. Last one here we gotta get to is is gluttony. So this is very similar to to greed, but it's showing too much of a good thing. All right, and this is a pretty common mistake where people start building a synergy deck, and they put all the synergy pieces and they forget everything else. How many times have we all done it? We've all done it. We've built a deck. We're like, yeah, and this goes with this, and this goes with this, and this goes with this, and you're like, wait a second. I have no ramp. I have no draw. I have no, I have no interaction, and you're like, wait a second. My deck doesn't work, and you wonder, and then you, and you get really upset about it because your deck doesn't work. Well, Bruce, if you stop yeah. and thought about it logically, you know why your deck doesn't work, <laughs> and other people can observe and look at you and say, we know why your deck doesn't work, you have no removal. You have no inter- You have no. You have no board wipes. You have no. You have no draw. You have no ramp. How do you propose to beat me when I can put 5 I've put six extra lands into play. I've drawn eight different eight more eight additional cards, and on top of that, like you I'm I'm doing things that are every bit as synergistic as you are. So, sorry, folks. Like hmm. I understand the appeal of having the all synergy, look at all the fun things happen here. But then, like, I get that deck. I want to build that deck too. That'd be fun. But if you're going to play the game, you need to be able to do more than just do all the synergy things. Because all the synergy things will will at some point be derailed. They will be stopped. What do you do in that instance?
1: The inverse is like putting all the good cards in your deck in quotes. I'm saying good cards is like expensive cards. The um the combo pieces for like seven different combos for example or um yeah. you're you're like cutting synergy out to put in like all of the quote unquote good cards. Mm-hmm. But you're forgetting that like not every deck needs uh force of will in it. You know, I mean, one what? Card, yeah. But what I'm saying is like I'm giving that as a dramatic example. I know, like, I know. Like, like um like Ancient Tomb, right? It's a great land in my opinion, but not every deck needs it. You know, you could cut Ew. it for a, a fixer, you know, you could cut it for like I just ran I did this with my old Rutstein deck, um, and I sent you the list a, a while ago. Mm-hmm. I cut I cut a bunch of good cards. I cut Yawgmoth, which is one of my favorite cards printed from MH2. I cut um some other expensive big creatures, uh, like ancient brass dragon. I cut uh-huh. some other cards that were like in the twenty dollar price range and put in 50 cent cards that were just better for the deck, uh-huh. you know? And I was, like, thinking to myself, I've probably done this for... I've been working at this deck for three years, and I still have that problem where you're like, oh, I gotta play all the tutors, I gotta play uh-huh. all of the, you know, all of the draw effects, all of everything. But sometimes uh-huh. if you cut these cards, your deck might run better. Um, yeah. If you just play into what your deck is trying to do, rather than playing the $50 cards, the $100 cards, the $700 cards, cards, chains, and Mephistopheles.
0: Yeah, very. <laughs> this, they're so, so true. The $700 seven, chains of Mephistopheles that you don't even know how it works. So yeah, no, like po- folks, a lot of this, all, these, all these, these vices come back to you being able to stop your illogical brain and redeploying your logical common sense brain that you have and allowing it to help drive the decision-making process. Instead of the emotional response, but I want to play all those synergy pieces. Yes, but do you have any removal? Do you have a ramp? Do you have any ramp? Where's the soul ring in your list? But it doesn't synergize. Put the soul ring in your deck. It's <laughs> broken in half. Do it anyway. So, right. you know, like the, you know, all the but all these things are emotional responses where your logical brain gets shut off. And if you use your logical brain, you would go right. I can't do this. I need to stop. I need to go backtrack. I need to come up with a different plan of action. So,
1: mm-hmm. if there's any takeaway for the end tonight, it's just um, just be conscientious if you can. The next time you go to an LGS, see if any of these things affect you or any of the other players at your pod. And um, it takes time. It takes time. It takes having a thick skin. It also takes. You know, just knowing yourself, right, uh, beyond playing the game. Um These are if things I, we all struggle may, with
0: every day. If I may, it also takes intentionality. You have to be mm-hmm. thinking about it. And okay. so if you're wondering how to, how to find that next level of your game, this is how. Yeah. If you can spot where your device is coming through and how it might be impacting your game, this might be a perfect opportunity for you to turn it around and and shore up a portion of your game such that your vice can be turned from a vice into a strength.
1: Yeah. I think we've hit this on the head, um, in regards to fleshing this out. If any of our members, um, and parish and people that we, uh, that we hear on the show, um, if you want to send us your experiences, um, we'd love to to talk about it too. Um, it's just, I think it's a really interesting concept, right? Beyond the game theory of it. Uh, mm-hmm. Just yeah. how we work as humans, it's it's nice, so. It's,
0: it's yeah. been a very interesting conversation and um, probably more revealing about myself than I think <laughs> I had ever intended. But anyway, um, not in a bad way. I don't think there's anything that I've, you know, I would feel ashamed mm-hmm. of saying here, but definitely makes me think about how I how I interact with other people in this game, so. Yeah, good conversation. Very good conversation for today. Yeah. A little on the happy um, side, but but a good conversation to have nonetheless.
1: Sometimes we just we gotta go deep, you know, to yeah. find the to find these things. I know I've struggled with these things more often than not when I first started playing. Not the, more so the greed part of it or the gluttony part of it, but but more so like the anger of it because I'm competitive, right? I'm very competitive. I don't mm-hmm. show it, but I am let's face it, and the pride is a huge one for me. So I know, like, my faults, right? Uh-huh. I know that I shouldn't take things personally, but some we all do that, right? We're all humans. Yep,
0: yep, yep. Okay. <laughs> so, let's draw this to a close. Alright, folks, thanks very much for stopping tonight. Um, we will be back with Dex and one other, other card talk next week, I'm sure. Um, next week, like Pete said, we will be in person together in the same location, which is... <gasps> bananas but um this is going to be great (laughs) it'll be fun it'll be very fun to have us do it live um so to speak uh if you want to find out how to reach out to us again check the show notes please our the links to the discord and all our social media are available there along with all the pro all the locations where you can find our uh podcast on various hosting platforms all right folks We'd love to have people engage with us, uh, send us messages, particularly about this topic, because I think this is a topic that has really um, been poorly explored by magic podcasters and magic magic uh, content creators. And yeah. we'd love to have um, some more in-depth conversations around these sorts of ideas and how it might impact how we play magic and Commander specifically. So, anyway, With that, thanks very much, everybody. Take care. Have a great week, and wherever you play magic, be good to each other. Take, have fun, and we'll see you soon. Thanks so much, everybody.
1: For all of our Canadians, happy Canada Day in the next two days, and for our American uh, viewers, happy 4th of July. Uh, stay safe, and enjoy this time with your family and friends. Peace.
0: Yeah, here. Alright, everybody. Talk to you later.